Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Hope everyone enjoyed the Super Bowl last night. There was a lot of great things to unpack there. I'm going to be talking about a lot of the movie ads that came out of there. And I'm going to be talking about a lot of things that happened over the weekend as well. I'm going to be talking about all the Super Bowl ads, movie ads, television ads. I'm also going to be talking about the Fast 9 trailer that, that came out on Friday. I'm also going to be talking about Hamilton getting distribution for their movie but of course it's Monday and even though the Super Bowl and last night the first thing that I do want to talk about always in the world of movie news is the big thing and that is weekend box office and this weekend was very quiet relatively quiet as it usually is the weekend of the Super Bowl as it is there's a reason it's called the biggest night of entertainment of sports really one of the biggest events in America during the year and a lot of studios don't want to put a lot of their stuff there because people are usually putting a lot of their money towards food and games and getting ready for the big night, the big game. And so a lot of movies don't put anything big during that weekend as we're seeing the Birds of Prey coming out next week or this week rather. We saw Bad Boys for Life being that really big January release. And as it so is, that is the weekend winner once again taking the crown for the third straight weekend. That is Bad Boys for Life absolutely killing it at the box office once again, bringing in $17.6 million, $148 million domestically, and over $290 million worldwide at the box office. That has now eclipsed Paul Blart Mall Cup as the highest grossing full-on January release film of all time, really. When And that is not taking into account American Sniper, which would hold that title, but American Sniper is more of a, an expansion in January. as it was, it was an awards contender when it came out, and so it came out in limited release in the year prior and then had a worldwide debut in January as 1917 kind of did this year, coming out limited in December and opening wide release for everyone else to see in January. And so Bad Boys for Life takes that spot as being that true blue coming out in the middle of January film that really kind of took off and became a blockbuster that nobody really saw coming. And it also passes Bad Boys 2 for the highest rated domestic film of all time, as well as worldwide. So really, Bad Boys for Life is the highest grossing earner of the franchise right now. And you can see why Sony is hell-bent on putting out a fourth one and potentially rejuvenating this franchise, kind of like what they did with Jumanji in 2017, and seeing that success translate over to the next few years in its sequel. And who knows when we're going to get another announcement. We got an announcement for Bad Boys 4. The, literally that weekend, we got there was an announcement for Bad Boys 4. So I'd be shocked if we could get the ball rolling on that one. And in the next year, two years probably, we'll see a Bad Boys movie with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence taking on the Miami streets once again. And then coming in at number two, 1917, grossing $9 million this weekend. And it brings an accumulation of $119.2 million domestically and $249 million worldwide, which is a big, big reason for 1917 being really a front runner during this year's award season which we'll get into a little bit later on and so 1917 kind of takes that mantle and is kind of running with it right now really being another big surprise for an original film coming out and capitalizing on a on a smaller january release schedule even though bad boys for life came out and broke out 1917 is able to take charge and capitalize on a usually weak slate for january and take it on very well. So for 1917, it stays in at number two. Then at number three is Doolittle grossing another $7 million, $55 million domestically, $126 million worldwide. Not a great look for Doolittle, which over the weekend, Hollywood Reporter came out with an article kind of going inside the the, the troubles of Doolittle, which 
weren't really troubles necessarily. It sounds like from the report that came out that everyone was getting along with another. It just seemed that the studio kind of put the faith in the wrong people and that Danny Jr. might have had a little bit more creative freedom than he might have been warranted. That Gagan, as you would expect, really probably wasn't the guy that Universal should have hired for this film, family-friendly film, and he's more of a character hard or gritty character driven piece like traffic in which he got nominated and won for best original screenplay so not not the guy he wants to do a movie like this and, and come out with it so it didn't seem like there were problems on not on set and not a lot of issues with people it seems like everyone got along really well it's just that there are a lot of creative choices that maybe should not have actually happened in the movie and could have made it better than it was but Regardless, Doolittle doesn't seem like it's going to be taking off the franchise anytime soon and is another dud in Universal section, especially after the heavy loss that it took for Cats. And so not a great spot for Doolittle to be at Robert Downey Jr. at number three. Coming in at number four is Gretel and Hansel, one of the first big wideout release for January 31st. And it comes in with $6 million in the box office and worldwide has $6.1 million. Again, a movie that has a lower end budget and could probably make it back in the next few weeks. We'll see what happens. It's been getting decent reviews, but we'll see what happens for Gretel and Hansel. Coming in at number five is The Jump Grossing, $6 million to the box office, $20 million domestically, and $48 million worldwide for the new Guy Ritchie original film. This one that I'm so happy is getting a lot of buzz and it seems like it's profiting right now for an, an original film that has a great star cast, has a great script. The gentleman wants to go see early on in the new year, and I'm happy that it's able to kind of find its way still in the top five as the next few weeks. Are, it, it'll be interesting to see if it picks up ground with Birds of Prey coming out and The Invisible Man, and The Photograph, Fantasy Island. Let's see if the other RE films are able to get it out of the top five, and maybe it'll eat into its demographic. Coming in at number six is Jumanji, the next level, grossing another $6 million at the box office, $291.2 million basically, and $754 million worldwide. And there's really nothing else to say about this other than the fact that Jumanji is just, it's having a great run, and it's, and it's amazing that's number six, and it came out well over a month ago. And it's still kicking in the theaters right now. And what you can't talk about Jumanji without talking about Star Wars. And Star Wars just can't get out of the shadow of the Jumanji franchise. As number 7 is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Grossing another $3.19 million. Now has $507 million domestically. And still has $1 billion worldwide at the box office. And it seems like in the next few weeks it's going to be losing a lot of steam. Losing a lot of theaters. Birds of Prey is coming into theaters. You have Sonic. You have Fantasy Island, you have Invisible Man. You're going to see a lot of the theaters start to lose out on Star Wars now. And a lot of theaters are going to be pulling the last film, Skywalker Saga, out of theaters. And this might be, this and next week are probably going to be the last few weekends. You can shout the rise of Skywalker in theaters. And even though it, it's more on the tail end of where I think Lucasfilm wanted the results. But regardless, it's still a billion dollar hit. It still surpassed one in domestic total. So it's able to say at least domestically it outperformed spinoff. Which I think if you read a piece from Scott Mendelstein, he talks about how The Rise of Skywalker really played out as, as a threequel usually plays out as a typical one does. Not as a, a, a typical trilogy cap or not on the end of an Avengers Endgame or maybe more so Harry Potter. But it played out the way it was supposed to play out. Not up to Star Wars standards, but it still was able to gross a billion dollar mark. Still hit over $500 million domestically. And so it's, it's still a good success story even though it had a little bit of turbulence along the way. 
So congratulations to everyone over at Disney and Lucasfilm for their success with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Coming in at number 8 is The Turning, grossing $3 million at the box office this weekend. Now has $11 million domestically and $14 million worldwide. This is a film that received an F Cinema score, the second horror film of the early year to have an F Cinema score. And so not a great look for The Turning, but nonetheless... It's still one that was able to capture some people and might, may earn a little bit of money back, but we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Coming in at number 9 is another awards hopeful that's looking to take home some Oscar gold this upcoming weekend. Little Women, directed by Greta Gerwig, starring Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Emma Watson, Laura Dern, Mel Streep, the list goes on and on and on. Grossed another $3 million at the box office this weekend, and now is $90 million domestically and $162 million worldwide at the box office. Again, another great success story for Greta Gerwig, who is able to capitalize on the success that she had from Lady Bird and translate it to big box office success for her going into the future that she can build this up on a resume and say, look, I'm a part of a, a, a $100 million plus success. It was a hit, earned a lot of awards buzz. And so this is a great, great story for little women. Coming in at number 10 is the rhythm section. This is one that was the big newcomer for this weekend, starring Blake Lively, Jude Law, and Dylan K. Brown. And really, really bombed at the box office. This grows only $2.8 million, both domestically and worldwide at the box office. This movie had a $50 million budget, and unfortunately, it just doesn't people went out to go see it, whether it's because of the reviews that it was getting, which were really more on the negative side. It has a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Rhythm section joins a list that it probably doesn't want to be on, when it comes to films that had a big budget but wasn't able to turn out a great outcome, especially on its first weekend in theaters, joining the likes of Hoop, The Seeker, movies you really don't want to be a part of that were trying to be hopefuls but weren't able to get anything off the ground. And it's a shame because I really did, even though I think the movie isn't that good, I still enjoy Blake Lively. I thought she did a great job in the role that she was given. I think she really surprised me and, and being vulnerable but butt-kicking kind of woman but is really a human being at heart and, and has a lot of human emotions. And I, I'm just really I'm, – I'm sad for her because I just think that this is a movie that they thought would do really well and just hasn't translated well at the theaters and, and with audience members. And I think also the fact that for Blake, she's somebody that – it, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, she's smart, she's she's an amazing, amazing actress. And somebody who has really turned B-level films like The Shallows into good return money for them, The Age of Adeline, really good money for these movies, and A Simple Favor as well. She, she's a really good actress, and I, and I hope she finds a franchise, kind of like what her husband Ryan Reynolds has with Deadpool and is really has found his niche in, in what he does. And I hope she's able to find that too. And, and and I think she's such a versatile actress and can do a lot. She showed it with the rhythm section. And so I hope she's able to find something soon, bounce back from this movie. So the, guys, that's it for the box office. Again, number one, Bad Boys for Life. Two, 1917. Three, Doolittle. Four, Gretel and Hansel. Five, The Gentleman. Six, Jumanji, The Next Level. Seven, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Eight, The Turning. Nine, Little Women. And ten, The Rhythm Section. What did you guys think of this weekend's box office? Next weekend, it gets a little bit more interesting with Birds of Prey coming out with Harley Quinn. DC, the, really the first big film, if you don't count what Bad Boys for Life did. This is one that people were looking at to be the first big film of 2020 before Bad Boys for Life broke out. And so now all eyes will be on this to really boost up the box office once again and see where it can bring it to begin the month of February and the beginning of the year for superhero films in general or comic book movies in general. What did you guys think of this film? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts on what you thought 
not of the film, but of what you thought the box office was this weekend. Now moving on to some news that came out just a few hours ago. And according to multiple outlets, The Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, Hamilton, the the pop culture, the cultural phenomenon that was created by Lin-Manuel Miranda has found a home for the movie version that it's coming out with, has found a home at the Mouse House. Disney has bought the worldwide distribution rights for the Hamilton movie that will be making its way into theaters on October 15th of 2021. And this is a movie that is going to star the original cast. And what's interesting is that there's not going to be any... There was already production done on this movie. It was already filmed and it was captured... It was a live capture of the Broadway film, of the Broadway play, that in 2016 when Lin-Manuel Miranda, when Leslie Odom Jr., when Davi Diggs, when the whole cast that has gone on to do incredible things over the last few years since that they were a part of that musical, they they, they were a part of it when, when they were still on it in, in 2016. So we're going to see all the original cast back playing the roles that made them who they are today and very famous. And Disney paid $75 million for the worldwide distribution rights for this product. And it's... a Apparently, according to the report, it's going to be a, a hybrid. It's going to be a combining of the elements of live theater with film, and that is described to be the cinematic stage performance that is a wholly new way to experience Hamilton. And so this, to me, is really, really exciting. And when I heard that Disney bought, got the rights, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever because, A, you look at them, they're Disney. They can buy anything. They, they, they have all the money in the world, from especially from last year, with grossing over $11 billion at the worldwide box office, all the hits they've had over the last few years with Marvel, Lucasfilm, their own studios with animation and live action. They have the money that they can go out and buy this for $75 million, which for a lot of studios, apparently there was a lot of reports that this was a hot commodity trying to gain the distribution rights for Disney was able to come out on top because $75 million is a lot of money to get for this. And it's it's one that Disney was able to afford. The second thing is Lin-Manuel Miranda has a reputation with Disney at this point. He's been with them. He's done films for them for the last few years, dating back to just being a songwriter for Moana and, and what he did with that film. Then going on to, to being in his live-action debut, his first-ever debut in, in cinema, with Mary Poppins Returns with Emily Blunt, in which he did a very good job with that. And now he's working with Alan Menken on the new Little Mermaid film. He's got a rapport with Disney at this point that I'm sure he entrusts what what they'll do in putting out this this film and and this cultural phenomenon that is still a cultural phenomenon on Broadway right now. It's still pulling in big money at the theater box office. It's pulling in apparently, according to reports, two to three million dollars a week at most every single week for, for this play, even though it doesn't have the main constituents that made it what it is. It's still great, and and I think. When you put all of this stuff together, it's going to make a cultural phenomenon transcend something that I think we really haven't seen before. This, this isn't again. This isn't something that's going to be put into production. It's already through production. It's probably gone through post production already. It just needs to get that the main studio does to to market it out there and put it out there for people and start releasing it for people to know that it's coming out soon. And what better way to do that than with Disney and Disney has this. They have the rapport with Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm sure he's going to be a heavy part in dishing this film out and getting it out for people to recognize. And so I think that's what led to Disney buying this product. People are going to say, it's the Mouse House. They're taking everything over. They're, it's it's what they do. And yeah, you can see it like that. But I also see it as they have the money for it. They're going to buy all this stuff. But they also have that rapport 
with Lin-Manuel Miranda at this point. I think he entrusts what he's seen what they can do, and he entrusts them with uh, the baby that he built. He built this baby from the from pen to paper. He built this thing. And so I think he, he trusts them to, to do the right things with this product. And he came out with a statement talking about it, saying, I'm so proud of what Tommy Kale has been able to capture in the film version. And Tommy Kale was the director for this hybrid that they're creating. A live theatrical experience that feels just as imminent in your local movie theater. We're excited to partner with Disney to bring the original Broadway company of Hamilton to the largest audience possible. And again, this is just going to be incredible. When you look at the credentials for this, it won 11 out of 16 Tonys that it was nominated for, including Best Musical. It won a Grammy for the soundtrack, an Oliver Award, and a Pulitzer Prize for the screenplay in the book. It also performed at the White House when President when, when Barack Obama was still president in 2016. It's just this this thing that that has just grown into something else. The soundtrack is is widely still popular nowadays. And again, I said it still rakes in two to three million dollars according to reports annually every single week. So it's still selling out. It's 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 an entity at this point. And looking at the film slate of it, the fact that it is slated for October 15, twenty twenty, the only film that's coming out that day that holds any competition is Halloween Ends, which will be the third film in this new said trilogy that's coming out with David Gordon Green and Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Meyer. So I think that'll be an interesting battle when you have different demographics, people that love musicals, that love Hamilton, that love Lin-Manuel Miranda, that love Disney. And and I think you're going to have that entity along with Blumhouse and Hollywood Ends with horror horror geeks wanting to go out and see that movie around, around the Halloween time. So unless one of them cries wolf, I think we're going in, in for an interesting battle when it comes out more than a year from now in 2021. What do you guys think of this news of the Hamilton movie going to Disney? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to the big game, Super Bowl movie ads. And I hope everyone, again, enjoyed the big game. And I put out a tweet yesterday about the Super Bowl. And I'm an entertainment guy first and foremost. I love reporting on it. I love movies. The Oscars are my Super Bowl. Award season is my thing. But I am a sports person as well. I'm an Eagles fan. I love football. And, and the Super Bowl to me is a tradition. It's a holiday. It, it's just something that transcends a lot of things. And last night was just a great conglomeration of everything that went right. From the game itself, which was congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. And as an Eagle fan, it's great to see Andy Reid, Big Red, finally win the big one. Get a championship and a Hall of Fame career. Patrick Mahomes adding on to his legendary career that's already in it's going to be in its third season next year two seasons in and he's already won a super bowl it's incredible the game was amazing it came down to the fourth quarter down to the wire the commercials which were a big surprise and you had the bill murray commercial you had i love the 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 i think it was the akira commercial with ben affleck and krasinski that was hysterical that was a boston kind of tone to it it was just it, it was and then you had of course the, the Super Bowl movie and television ads that were really, really good as well. That were just, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And I think some of them were shocking and some of them I didn't expect. And then you had the Super Bowl halftime show, which congratulations to Shakira and Jennifer Lopez for just giving a performance for the ages, an entertainment show for the ages. And again, I think every single aspect clicked in the Super Bowl. And I think it's going to be, when you look overall at everything, I think there's not one thing that was a denigrate to this year's Super Bowl. So the NFL did a great job, and so did Fox and, and the Fox Network, and they all did just a, an, an incredible job of 
just bringing a, an incredible night for sports and entertainment and just bringing it all together. And it was truly a special moment that I think uh, well, people will be talking about for a very, very long time and a great way to kick off a great year for 2020. But now I want to talk about the Super Bowl, the movie ads and the, and the TV ads that came out during the Super Bowl. And it's we talked about it a lot. Some of them did come during the big game, not a lot from the same company. One or two came from the same company, but a lot of the other ones were before and usually before the game, and some were during the game. The first one I want to get into was before the game, and that was A Quiet Place Part 2, which not a lot to really get into because we already talked about it. And it was one, it was the same 30-second spot that came out a few days ago. And again, I liked it. I liked the world expansion. It shows off the first day, and I'm excited to see this movie when it comes out on March 20th of this year. The second one was The Invisible Man, which that one showed off a little bit more footage with Elizabeth Moss, and I'm really excited to see where that film is going to lead off, and it's a different, it's not, it's a horror thriller film, but it's got a really, an emotional aspect that people can grasp towards to with the Me Too movement and stalking, and I think it's got a real world element to it that I think people are going to gravitate towards for this movie, and I think it's going to be a hit that people don't see coming for Blumhouse and for a lot of people looking forward to this movie with Elizabeth Moss. Then what came before the kickoff happened was Top Gun Maverick. Brand new footage for this film. We got voiceover from Miles Teller who's playing Goose's son. And it seems like he doesn't trust Maverick. And we got awesome new shots. Aviation shots from inside the cockpit that, that a lot of reports have been talking about. And the, the flight sequences just look off the charts. Incredible with Tom Cruise. It just looks like one hell of a time with the movies during the summer. And you should definitely see it on the biggest screen possible, and I cannot wait for it when it comes out on June 25th. Then we got a brand new trailer for Mulan. We got a 30-second spot that came out on Friday and was shown at the big game, but then online they released a trailer for Mulan, and to me it just solidifies, once again, this is going to be an epic film, a different Disney retelling that we've gotten over the last few years. It won't be in the same vein as Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast. It'll be more gritty, more epic, more along the Chinese film culture that we've gotten, that it'll just be this great grand epic of a film that I think a lot of people are looking forward towards with, with mystical elements in there, but not overly done CGI mystical elements that I think we're still going to be embracing and, 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 and loving this Chinese heritage that we're getting with this movie. So I'm excited to see this brand new film for Mulan, this, this real legit retelling with still some of the, the same emotional and, and same plot points, but might be expanded upon a little bit more. And I think one of the things I liked about Aladdin a lot was that it was the same story, but they expanded on it and, made, and, and tweaked a few things differently that I think spoke to people around this time now than maybe in the 90s. And I think were, were things that people were looking for in a movie that that it wasn't plot by plot, kind of like what people I think were dissuaded by with Lion King was that it was a little legit shot by shot, plot by plot rendition of the Lion King. Whereas Aladdin... Same plot, same general plot, but a few new new flashes along the way that I think intrigued a lot of people. So Mulan, I am very excited about. F9, The Fast Saga, which we'll get into the, the, the four-minute trailer that came out on Friday to accompany that Universal put out as 30-second spot that was basically footage that was already shown with without the throughout the, the trailer that came out, but it was recorded through Hallelujah, and it, it was interesting. Again, it, it's it's incredible action, and every single Fast movie has corresponded with the Super Bowl, so the Fast and Furious films have always premiered something at the Super Bowl, and I think this was no different, and it was, again, just sort of the bombasticness of the 
of, of, of what was shown. Another one that came out was Minions Rise of Gru, which is actually coming out with a trailer on Wednesday, and they came out with a little 30-second spot to get people intrigued by it. And it looks good. It looks like a Minions film that's going to be showcasing the story of how they met Gru and, and how they became this this unusual family. And so I think the, the, the trailer itself will give more an, an idea of what's going to happen on, on Wednesday and what this film is going to be. Then came No Time to Die, which is the 25th James Bond film with Daniel Craig, directed by Gary Fukunaga. And this is a movie that that looks interesting. And and, and, and again, it's it's got those great action beats. It seems like it's also going to be imploring a lot more story elements of this is going to wrap up really Daniel Craig's James Bond iteration that we're going to get this 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 overarching plot that's been building since Casino Royale. And the action looks good, the story, the emotional beats, I'm all in for No Time to Die, the 25th film in the James Bond saga. It's coming out on April 10th here in America. Now to get to the Marvel stuff, which I think is the most buzziest stuff to come out of the Super Bowl this year. And last year was Avengers Endgame, and this year the first one that came out was Black Widow, which is coming out on May 1st, and that was um, a ton of new footage that came out for the, for that film, and it expanded more on... Black Widow's Past, and who, which is starring Scarlett Johansson once again, along with Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, and David Harbour, and it gave us more, more of an idea of a family that we never knew about before the Avengers, I think, is gonna, what we're gonna see with Natasha Romanoff's family, and, and more of her background before she was an Avenger, before she was maybe even a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and how that affects where she is at right now, before Infinity War, and right after Civil War, in which the, the Avengers are just banded, and what what is she gonna do now that she is on the run? So the action sequences look really cool. I loved it. I love the I love the look of Taskmaster, and we're getting this new villain that we haven't seen before. And I know a little bit about him, but to see him in action, to see him kind of being this cool villain, I'm excited about that. And there's a layer of mystery of who's behind the Taskmaster outfit, and so I'm intrigued to know to know that it's a mystery, and I'm excited to see Black Widow comes out on May 1st. But I think the biggest thing. That got people very hyped, and it got me very, very hyped. It was during the fourth quarter when there was all this craziness happening within the game. Was Disney Plus decided to to show us a little bit of behind the curtain of what is going on with the MCU Disney Plus shows, specifically the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki. And the beginning was a few shots of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in which we see Sam with Cap Shield and him and, and Baron Zemo's in there. And then we have him shots of, of Bucky and Sam together. And, and it looks like it's such a cool buddy buddy cop kind of espionage thriller that I'm excited to see about. And I love the chemistry between Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. I think it's going to translate over to this show. I'm really excited about it. And I think the, the, the biggest thing that came out was in the middle portion when we finally got to see footage of WandaVision, which we've heard so much about since it was announced at San Diego Comic-Con when Kevin Feige said that it was going to cross over into Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. It was going to be something that they've never done before. It was going to be this crazy, this crazy project that's never been done. It's going to be... And then at D23, it was talked about as this sitcom meets... MCU epic that we've seen in the movies. It was going to be with Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany as Scarlet Witch and, and Wanda and, and the Vision. And then we got pictures of it. We've, we've seen things. We're like, what is this? And then we, we heard from Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen that it's just the, the craziest thing they've ever been a part of. It's effing bonkers. That was a quote from Paul Bettany when he was at Sundance. And, Feige is, and when Feige says that this is going to be something we've never done before, this is going to change the MCU, 
He said it with the Winter Soldier, and look what happened there. He said it with Civil War. He said it with Endgame and Infinity War. He 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 doesn't just hype things up to hype things up. When he says something, it it carries a lot of weight with it nowadays. And so to see the thing with WandaVision where it just goes through not just a 50s, 60s sitcom. It goes through a Brady Bunch 70s sitcom, 80s, and it seems like it seems like Wanda and Vision have babies, and Scarlet Scarlet Witch is, is has different styles. She has the 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 50s, 60s housewife look. Then she has the Brady Bunch 80s vibe look. It just looks very very interesting, and, and I'm all in for it. And I love this kookiness that we're getting with WandaVision. And then we got a little, little one scene, one little scene from Loki in which. He's in a a, a jumpsuit, uh, dump, uh, excuse me, a jail jumpsuit, and Tom Hiddleston saying he's gonna burn it all to the ground. This is following the 2012 version of Loki that escaped in Avengers Endgame when they let him loose, and he carried away with the Tesseract. And it seems like he's been floating through time and space, and he's finally been captured. And so I'm excited about all these shows. And I think somebody that brought up a really interesting point is that Disney just wants to get people invested into Disney Plus again because. After Mandalorian, if you want to keep people that are involved with Star Wars and Marvel involved, they're just really been catering to kids right now. And, and I understand that's a part of the streaming service, but if you want to keep these other big subscribers in, you had to do something. They did it. And now I think they got to start releasing more information about it, more footage from individual shows now. The first show is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Start with that. Show us footage of that. How is that going to affect the MCU going forward? Especially that's going to be the second thing coming in Phase 4 after Black Widow in may but what did you guys think of all of these different super bowl ads that came out what was your favorite movie tv ad that came out during the big game what was your favorite commercial ad what was your favorite part of the super bowl let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now moving on to the f9 poster and trailer that came out the for the fast and furious 9 poster that came out i loved it it had all the different kind of colors from the character posters that was really great. That was really cool. But to me, it was all about the trailer, which I saw the concert. The concert thing was really cool. It was in Miami during Super Bowl weekend. That was great. Directed once again, Justin Lin comes back to the franchise and stars Vin Diesel, John Cena, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese. The whole crew is back at it once again. And seeing this trailer, I, I, I had a lot of hype for it, and it lived up to the hype. I mean, Justin Lin doesn't look like he has skipped a beat whatsoever. He just delivers action after action after action and what seemed like we, we, we might be getting more emotional beats and it seems like we might it just went bombastic action one after the other but i felt like sometimes the trailer was a little disconjointed it was basically like three trailers packed into one big trailer which was four minutes long basically and i just think that it didn't need to be that long but it still got me really hyped and i think with a lot of these fast and furious trailers all the time they they, they just want to keep you going and, and show you as much as they possibly can because they want to get you as hyped as possible. And another big thing that I think w was was huge for this trailer was that it revealed a few spoilers. But I think because they didn't really reveal big spoilers in the last few films, they're not going to do it here. And there's a reason they probably did it. The first one, of course, is that John Cena is playing Vin Diesel's brother, Jacob. Again, could you see John Cena's Vin Diesel's brother? That's for you to decide. But I definitely do see Diesel kind of going at it with Cena, and that looks really, really cool. I was hyped for that. But the big thing that came was at the very end, the stinger of all stingers, Justice is coming. Han Song Kang is back playing Han. The fan favorite that has turned into a, a hashtag, a, and, and 
I don't know how he's back, but when I saw him, I'm like, let's go. Like, I, I, my fists were in the air. I was jumping up and down. To me, that signals how invested I am with this, with maybe not the story, but the characters. The, I really think the story, the emotion, the action. I'm invested with these characters so much that I root for them all the time. And it has reached that epic blockbuster kind of feeling that makes these billion-dollar films nowadays. So I'm excited for this film. It's, I think I had it in my top five. I think it... Maybe one film might have been knocked down in my top three to make this in there because when I made my top ten of 2020, I didn't see any kind of trailer for or any footage for Fast 9 yet. And I kind of based, just went off the base of what I've experienced with Fast and Furious. I knew it had to be on my list. But seeing this now, it's definitely jumped up in my list in my potential top three of the year now because th this was just bombastic. I'm, I'm going to see it in IMAX and the biggest screen possible with a big crowd. Everyone's going to have a great time and, and I cannot wait to enjoy Fast 9, F9, the Fast Saga. Now, the last thing I want to talk about real quick, and, I, and I'm running out of time here, so I'm just going to go run through these things real, real quick, but the, uh, some award season stuff I want to get into. We're in the last week of Oscar season. The Academy Awards are this Sunday on February 9th. We're finally here. The all, the movie, movie fan Super Bowl is here with the Oscars, the 92nd Annual Academy Awards. And one of the last few precursors to be handed out were the BAFTAs and the WGA. And to run the WGA real quick, which is the Writers Guild, Parasite won Best Original Screenplay, and Jojo Rabbit won Best Adapted Screenplay. Bong Joon-ho is in contention for Parasite. This is a huge win for them. And they didn't have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in there. I think that's going to be their biggest adversary for Best Original Screenplay because Quentin is not a member of the WGA. So I think Parasite has a little competition, but it's between those two right now for Best Original Screenplay. Then for Jojo Rabbit, this is a huge win for them because a lot of people had Little Women down as a frontrunner to win Best Adapted Screenplay. But I think because of its win at the BAFTAs and at the WGA, it is now the favorite to win Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. Now moving on to the BAFTAs. A lot, of the, a lot of the things that we came to expect at the BAFTAs happened, and after talking to Jason, a lot of it came to fruition. Even though Joker came out with 11 nominations, 1970 came out with the most wins, winning Best Film, Best Director for Sam Mendes, and Best British Film, along with winning a lot of the sound design uh, categories as well. Best Sound, Best... Um, what, what else was that? I'm, I'm looking for it here. It was Best Sound... And it was uh, best, best Cinematography. That's what it was. Best Cinematography and Best Sound, which was a, a big win for 1917 as well. You also had to win Best Production Design over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, over The Irishman, over Jojo Rabbit. So maybe 1917 could be coming away with that. But Parasite is not in this category, and I still put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and 19 and Parasite as my two frontrunners for that one. A lot of the main acting categories were the same. It's basically a lockup at this point for all these actors walking phoenix one again with a pretty remarkable speech if you have to see it see it online renee zellweger won for judy best supporting actor went to brad pitt and laura dern won for best supporting actress brad bong joon ho won for best original screenplay and so did taika for best adapted for jojo rabbit and so a lot of things that we expected to happen happened Ford v ferrari or lamont 66 as it's known internationally won best editing little woman won best costume design bombshell won best hair and makeup Best Documentary went for, for Sama instead of American Factory. And Best Animated Film went to Klaus. And again, I think this becomes a battle between Klaus and Toy Story 4 with, with you have I Lost My Body coming in on the third slot. So 1917 won the most awards at the Baptist. Joker came in at number three. And Parasite won two awards. So big night for 1917, which was really no surprises. Again, it was in its 
it, it was it had home field advantage as it was a British film. So this, this I think, spells a lot for what to expect for the Oscars coming in the next few in the, in the next few days, really, as voting is going on right now. It ends in the next few days as we get set for the Oscars. And so I think because of the overlay between the BAFTAs and the Academy, even though most of the time it's not the same, I think we're going to get similarities definitely in the acting. We could be getting a sweep for 1917 in the top two categories of Best Film and Best Director. And I think, I think the screenplay nominations and the screenplay categories are big contenders to look at right now, big matchups. But everything else, it seems like it's lining up for what we expect to happen at the Oscars. But I'm always up for surprises, and we're going to talk to Jason in, in the next few days and get our final Oscar locks in before the big night happens. What did you guys think of this award season recap with the BAFTAs and the WGA? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. But guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being a part of just this incredible network that we have. Be sure to check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. And check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. And check out our brand new show that is on the Ambiguous Network, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter, at Basel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook, at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.